0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, you guys, I love you. I thank God for you, and I thank God that right now, watching to me are black people and brown people and white people, but most importantly, we're all God's people. We're all made in God's image. We are all saved by God's Son, Jesus. We are all filled by God's Holy Spirit. We all uh, bank our lives on God's Word, and we are all, all members of an unshakable kingdom of God. The Word of God says this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him. That's our God. He makes us unshakable. And how appropriate that when we gather for public worship for the first time in three months on Sunday, June 21st, we'll be gathering in a unity service of black people and brown people and white people all giving glory to God, all experiencing his unshakable kingdom. Now, before I go a step further, before I say another word, let me say uh, to my black brothers and sisters, um, we grieve with you and we long with you for racial justice and equality. We, we, we see you. We love you. And we stand by, as a church, I declare that we stand by our our black brothers and sisters. And and maybe you want to say, well, Pastor Clark has to say that because he has black children. Or or maybe you want to say, Pastor Clark has to say he stands with his black brothers and sisters because he has uh, pastors on his staff who are black. Or he has black people in his church. Well, friends, I love my children, and I love all the pastors that serve this church, and I love Central Christian, but I say that I stand and call us to stand with our black brothers and sisters because our Jesus is standing with our black brothers and sisters. And if we stand with Jesus, we are standing against the evil of racism, You see, its ugliness, racism, its ugliness is an actual attack on the heart of Jesus. His compassion for all cultures of people, all kinds of people, all colors of people, his love for everyone. In fact, when we stand with Jesus, we stand against Satan. Satan is the very source. He is a murderer. He is a liar. He seeks only to kill steal, and destroy. That's Satan. And so when we stand with Jesus, we stand against him, against his lies, against his destruction, and for everyone who is hurting, everyone who is in need. Um, This is a tricky thing for us to look in our own hearts and rid ourselves personally of any hint of racism because there are kind of different levels and sometimes we'll allow ourselves to, to accommodate a level. We'll think, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as that person. But let me give you an illustration. The worst kind of racial prejudice is being a racist. A racist hates, literally hates people of another race. And about as bad as that in terms of racial prejudice, is being a bigot. A bigot belittles other people, tries to bully other people of another race. And again, about as bad as that is someone who is insensitive. That They are willing to hurt others with their words and with their actions. And another ugly aspect of racial prejudice is just being apathetic not even caring about racial issues. Or or, or maybe there's some level of care, but you're just not willing to step out of your comfort zone to reach out to someone who looks different than you. And all of that is sin. Whether we just think it or feel it or actually do it, it's all sin. And and so... um, we look to our God. We pray for his love. In fact, we, we pray honestly. We do a gut check on the inside and want to allow God to probe our hearts, to rid us of any hint of racial prejudice. We pray like the psalmist David prayed, search me, search me inside and out, O God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me, Lord. That offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. You see, uh, standing with Jesus is more than just talk. We actually stand with Jesus when we stand united in that kind of personal prayer. You see, when your heart is full of Jesus, there's not room for any racism. When your heart is full of Jesus, your, your heart is full of compassion. You'll always get the compassion when you get Christ. And compassion is what calls you to reach out and intentionally do acts of kindness in the lives of others who are racially different than you. And when you follow this Jesus who's filling you on the inside and you are drawn to him and drawn to follow him, he's the Prince of Peace. He will always lead you into peacemaking. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And children always bear the likeness of their father. So as children of God, we bear the compassionate likeness of our father who is in heaven. A peacemaker, intentionally and strategically, leverages his or her life to build bridges into the lives of people who are of a different race. And so we pray, we stand with Jesus when we pray prayers of praise, telling God together how great he is. We stand with Jesus when we pray personal prayers of thanksgiving, thanking Jesus, grateful to Jesus for how good he's been to us. And if we know someone at work in the neighborhood, in our family, who is showing racial uh, prejudice or racist tendencies, then we call down on them in our prayers the loving kindness of God. Only God can throw light on a dark heart. And we call down God's good. When we stand with Jesus, we call down his goodness on every heart, in every home, on every protester, and every police officer, on all black people, and all brown people, and all white people. When we pray, Standing with Jesus, we pray for the salvation of those who are far from God. We we pray that we will be changed. That we will grasp the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of Christ for us. And be filled to the full with the fullness of God. When we stand with Jesus, we pray the promises of his word. And so, uh, standing with Jesus is united prayer, but it's more than that. It's standing together on the power and promises of God's unshakable truth, the truth of His Word. Um, you see, the Bible is God's means of holding us accountable, calling us to be responsible in our Christian faith, in our walk with Jesus. So the word of God says, if anybody boasts, hey, I love God, and goes right on hating others without thinking a thought, he's a liar. I mean, if he won't love the person he can see, black, white, or brown, policeman, or protester, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to do both. So the the word of God is our how-to manual. It holds us accountable, calls us to be responsible to the love of Christ, to love as Jesus has loved us. But the Bible also aligns our hearts with the heart of Jesus. So our hearts beat together at the same time. The Word of God says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. When you think of someone, you see someone, any color, any life situation, You, when you see someone and you think, hey, they're better than me, it means that you see the best in them. Racism's just the opposite. A racist says, Hey, I am superior to you. And wants to see only what is worst. But the Word of God says, This is how you know that your heart beats in time with the heart of Jesus. You see the best in others. And as did Jesus, you humble yourself before everyone you see and you believe that they are better than you. You see the best. And then, and the word of God, oh my gosh, from cover to cover, page after page, chapter after chapter, this is where we find our hope. The word of God is designed to give us hope in the most dire and dark and desperate of circumstances, particularly for the people of God. Listen to the word of God. If My people, God says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, now the Hebrew word there for face could easily, and I think rightly be translated favor. If we seek, humble ourselves and seek God's favor, God's favor, look for God's blessing, look for God's goodness. If you will pray and seek my favor and turn from your wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal. Now, the word in Hebrew is Rafa. and it often has to do with a national healing. And a nation can be healed, Rafa means it can be healed, by the favor of God. That's why God's face, I think, should be translated favor. If you seek my favor, then I'll give you my favor. If you humble yourselves and pray, turn from your good ways, seek my favor, I will hear, I will forgive, I will heal your nation, I will heal the hurts of your nation. Oh, how we need it. Oh, how desperate we are for it. So let us as God's people, on the basis of our prayers with Jesus and standing on the word of Jesus, let us seek healing for our nation by the favor of God. Um, do do you know what prevents healing from happening? God's healing from happening in your life? Maybe even in your marriage or between you and your children or what can prevent healing but between races can prevent healing in a nation? It's, It's when we talk to the wrong person, and we listen to the facts, and we forget our faith. We we see this in, in a deeply personal account in the Word of God. Luke 24, read it for yourself when you get home. In Luke 24, we find two people who are walking away from Jesus. They're going in the wrong direction. They're walking away from their faith. They're walking away from their hope. Now, the good news is Jesus tracks them down. He won't let them get away. That's good news for us. So that when we find ourselves drifting from the love of Christ, drifting into inappropriate thinking, drifting into inappropriate behavior, he will not leave us where we are. He'll track us down, turn us around, and get us going back in the direction of our faith, a faith that leads to life and hope and peace and the joy of Jesus. So he comes up alongside these guys, catches up with them, matches them stride for stride. But the Bible says, this is the key phrase, the Bible says, but God prevented these two people from recognizing Jesus. They were some of his closest followers. they had followed him for three years, and yet God prevents them seeing Jesus. Now, why would God do that? One, they're talking to the wrong person. They're talking to each other when they should be talking to God in prayer, when they should be united in personal prayer with their God. And they're going over the facts. They got all the facts right, but they've forgotten their faith. Facts will never see Jesus In fact, facts will blind you to the presence of Jesus. If you find yourself watching the news more than you're reading the Bible, the facts are going to blind you. You're going to lose a grip on your faith. You're going to lose a grip on your hope. You're going to lose a grip on your peace. And so Jesus asks these guys, as you walk, what are you talking about that's making you so sad? Now, I believe that faith opens our eyes to Jesus. And so he is intent on refueling their faith, refocusing their faith, filling them up with faith so that their eyes can recognize him for who he truly is as God. And so Jesus says to them, you guys are fools. You got the facts right but you're walking away from your faith. You're, you're talking to the wrong person. You're talking to each other. You should be talking to God. And, and so to redirect their thinking, um, he, he says, okay, give me. Tell me what you're talking about. And you know what they do? They give him the facts. They said, well, there was this man uh, named Jesus. He was from Nazareth. And oh my gosh, he was a mighty prophet of God. Did miracles beyond number. Uh, he was an amazing teacher of God's word. But just two days ago, the authorities crucified him, executed him, murdered him. It was so unjust, so unfair, so wrong. And we thought, we had hoped he was our savior. I mean, even today. Um, our women early this morning went to the tomb and they found his body gone. So what's up with that? They just gave Jesus the facts, but the facts were blinding them to the presence of Jesus. They had let go of their faith. Faith will always open our eyes to the presence of Jesus Everywhere. In fact, not only does faith open our eyes to the presence of Jesus, we start to see life and people with the eyes of Jesus. We see the best in them. We see them as better than us. We see the opportunity to humble ourselves as Jesus humbled himself in our behalf. Um, And so here's what Jesus does. He takes the word of God. Not a book like this. He's got it in his heart, and he starts with the book of Genesis, very first page in the Bible, and runs through the entire Old Testament, showing them every instance where he's in the Bible, and where he must suffer, and where and where there will be a resurrection, and he will enter his glory. Every this goes on for two and a half hours. This is like a seven-mile walk, and for two and a half hours, Jesus just discloses passage after passage after passage. Look at me. Here I am. I must suffer. I will be raised. I will be glorified. And um, when he's filled them up, to hear with God's truth, when he's filled them up to hear with God's words, their eyes are opened and they suddenly recognize Jesus. The Bible says in that moment, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognize Jesus. And bam, just like that with their recognition, oh my gosh, we've been walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus and listening to Jesus, and our hearts are on fire within us. In that moment, he is gone. He's a man on a mission. He's got other people to turn around. He's got other places to go. He's got other hearts to transform. And now, now his mere absence is no evidence to them at all that he is not still present as God, who is everywhere, all knowing, all loving all the time. But they get turned around. They get up from their seats. They they rush back that seven miles to Jerusalem. They track down God's people. And they tell God's people, listen, we have seen him. He's alive. He is risen from the dead. Our hearts burned within us. And while they were talking, while the story was coming out, while they were talking, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself was suddenly standing among them. Peace. Be with you, he said. You see, we stand with jesus when our eyes are opened to his presence i mean prayer can just be a religious ritual and and Bible reading can uh, just be for information. But when we merge these three together, when our eyes, by faith, we stand with Jesus, our eyes are open to his presence, we are irresistibly drawn to him. Now prayer's all about relationship with him, all about praising him, all about thanking him, all about aligning our hearts with him. And the word of God, it no longer is for information, it's for Transformation, it's it's for finding all God's promises so we can stand with Jesus on the promises of God, which are all answered yes And Jesus. Um, it, 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 what happens when you open your eyes to the presence of Jesus? You lose your fear. You begin to doubt your doubts and start to believe your beliefs. In fact, Jesus said to them, um, Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Touch me. And as he spoke, he showed them the evidence of his suffering and the, the irrefutable evidence of his resurrection. See, I'm alive. That's where they pierced my hand. That's where they pierced my feet. And so together as, as God's people, say by God's son, uh, eyes open to his presence, standing with Jesus in prayer, standing with Jesus and the promises of his word. Um, it just allows us to be ushered right now into a time of communion. And here's what I want you to see. The eyes of your heart to be opened, this time of communion. I, I want you to see and understand that government and politics will never solve the struggle we're going through. Democrats and Republicans, they're elephants and donkeys. We need a lamb. We need a lion. A lion who looks like a lamb that was slain. We need a lamb who died for the sins of the world. A victorious lamb. A reigning lamb. And so right now in this moment, as we feast, on the body and blood of Jesus, not just for forgiveness and cleansing of sin, but to realign ourselves with the heart of Christ, standing with our Jesus in personal prayer, standing with our Jesus on the promises of his word, standing with our Jesus, eyes wide open to his presence. That's our intent right now. It might take some repentance. It might take prayers, extending forgiveness to others. It might take a heart cry, Oh, God, search my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to stand with you. If you take the bread, let me pray over the bread. Father, this is the body of Christ. And we take it now remembering how He suffered and died, that we might stand with him in personal prayer, that we might stand with him on the promises of his word, that we might stand with him, eyes wide open to his presence. And as we eat it, we eat all the promises of the Messiah. Lord Jesus, we remember your suffering and thank you. You died in our place for our sin. Now, if you'd take the cup as well. Let me pray over the cup. Our Father God, your son Jesus humbled himself on the cross where he shed his blood to pay for our sins. You're worth it. That's what he said to us. He humbled himself and said, you're worth it. You're you're better than my very life. Help us to leave this time of communion, this time of prayer, this time of teaching with the humility to look at others, find the best in them and say, you're better than me help us to stand with Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. I thank God for you. Let's stand with Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at Centurewire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.